Hello and welcome to From Fear to Fire, Secrets to Overcome Fear, Embrace Your Gifts, and Achieve Success. This is the place where real people share real challenges and where you can find a common bond and uncommon wisdom through their journeys to help you move from fear to fire. Today's quote is by Ken Perot. Be proactive, not reactive, for an apparently insignificant issue ignored today can spawn tomorrow's catastrophe. We have a great guest, such a good guy. You're going to love him. Today, we are interviewing Jeremy Torresk, who is a lucky husband, a proud father of four, a lifelong drummer, which he blends into his fun and memorable keynote speech, Say It Before You Play It. He's the creator of the GoPro Realtor series, um, an e-learning platform which brokers use to empower their agents by providing them with skills and tools. He also used the big shutdown to write the book, Labor to Leadership, and you can catch him on his weekly podcast, The GoProCast. I am excited to introduce you to Jeremy. How are you today? I couldn't be better. As uh, my buddy Dave Ramsey says, better than I deserve. <laughs> oh, I love that. <laughs> That's fantastic. Now, you know, I did a shortened version of your bio so we could get right to it. Is there anything that I missed that you really want people to know about? Well, I mean, those are the broad strokes of my current um, trajectory, what I'm working on now. And I guess what I really am, am proud of is where I come from is a much, much different picture. And that was, um, you know, a place of uh, poverty and, and low and actually no self-esteem. And I had a lot of work to do to change my mindset. And it took many, many years. So, I mean, we can get into kind of that stuff, but really, you know, people hear these kind of shows and hear people being interviewed and just figured that this is their self. This is the, the person they've always been. And they're just, uh, they're here sharing what, um, what they do, but it's not what we do. It's what we did that got us here. That's really the most important part. And so I really do like um, emphasizing that there is a lot that uh, goes into <laughs> what we do. Exactly. And, it, and it's, uh, it's who you became based upon what you experienced, right? So yeah, let's just dive into it, Jeremy. Let's go into the childhood, anything that experiences, lessons, failures, fears, anything that you feel... <laughs> would be important for people to understand uh, so they can see the real transformation that has taken place for you. Yeah. And it, it is um, also, it's sometimes the damage is done, but it's what we hear and learn and we can change the path for the people who come behind us that we can help. And, and that is that words are powerful, mm -hmm. especially to young people. Yeah. Um, I grew up in a house that it's kind of like shameless, right? On a scale from uh, full house to shameless, that show on Showtime. Yeah. Um, I, I, I'm an eight out of 10, <laughs> closer oh, to shameless. No. Oh. Yeah, it was real, just party central. And uh, of course, I was Fiona Gallagher in that example. Um, I was the big brother and um, you know took care of the family. Um, and my mom and dad were just kind of damaged uh, people to begin with. And they were very young parents and they didn't really have a moral compass. So that really just set us up for a, um, just not having a concept of real love and responsibility and morals. Mm -hmm. And then when you compound that with the family, the extended family, 
putting us down because of our lifestyle. Well, I was a kid. It wasn't my lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And so they just kept, you know, you're stupid, you're, you're clumsy, you're, you know, short tempered. Cause I was always fighting and that just, it just, I blossomed into this person that was a very rageful person who had no self-esteem and only had one identity. And that was a brawler, a fighter, a protector. Mm-hmm. And that's what I did every day. But, um, how, how, Again. Does, how does that like, how does that impact? And I suspect I know the answer, but like, how does that impact your whole, like overall mental health? Like, were you, was that brawling persona an exterior, but how were you feeling on the inside? It was, uh, you know, it said no self-esteem. So uh, that was my my venting was fighting and I would, but I was a bully bully. So I did have a good heart. My mother and father were good people. They just, they had an alcohol and drug problem. So they never really morphed into mean with us so much more with each other. Uh, But for us, we did get showered with a lot of love from them. Uh, I say love again, it's superficial. It's, it's, you know, do whatever you want to do, you know, go to school, don't go to school, get a, get a D, get an A. We we don't, you know, we're not going to govern you. And so we took that as love and that really messed me up. But so on the inside I wanted to protect people. That's the only time I felt good. So I would see, I grew up in a tough neighborhood right outside of Miami, Florida. And so I would see a bully picking on a smaller person and I'd push the smaller person out of the way. And you know, it was go time. All right. No words, just just throw, let's go. So that's what I did every single day from probably third grade until I was well into high school, got suspended and expelled multiple times, lots of street brawls and, and you know, uh, back then we called them rumbles, <laughs> like your school like against my school West at the Side beach. Story. <laughs> yeah, it really was. But um, you know, and but you know, it was a different time, and mm-hmm. luckily there weren't too many guns around at yeah. that point where people that we were using. But uh, yeah, a lot of gang activity, which I never signed up for. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's kind of a neutral party, you know. Well, and uh, you know, I was known for that. That was my badge of honor. I'm actually surprised you didn't go into boxing based on you. You, you had a lot of experience with it. But I went into uh, MMA, actually. Oh, you did? Oh, my goodness. That's yeah, my 20s. Your bio. You got to add that to your bio. <laughs> well, you know, um, when I don't complete a, a task, I don't really uh, tout on it. So I went into um, Kempo Karate, and then uh, my, te- my, my teachers were – in jiu-jitsu, jiu-jitsu was so new, Brazilian jiu-jitsu. So they were learning jiu-jitsu and teaching us after class what they were learning. So I was getting uh, uh, Ed Parker's Kempo Karate every night, five nights a week. And then afterwards, we were rolling, learning Brazilian jiu-jitsu. But my goal was black belt. That's my goal. But I got uh, about three years into it. I was really close, um, about to get my red belt, which is, I think, right before the black. And I shattered my foot kicking somebody. Um I caught their elbow and didn't hold my toe right. And my, my foot shattered because I'm a big guy. So I have a lot of force in my kicks. And um, my son was born right around that time. And I started climbing telephone poles for the cable company. So I just, I, I lost, you know, I had to, something had to go. And so after I healed, I just never got back into it enough to get my black belt. So gotcha. that was just a goal that wasn't fulfilled. So, you know, I know how to take care of myself, but I don't say that I'm this, you know, bad you know, badass. I, I got <laughs> you, know. you, but I got to tell you, I'm not messing with you. I'm not going to do it. <laughs> no, you well, actually, people. what? We actually did get back into Brazilian Jiu Jitsu as a whole family about a year and a half oh, ago. Fun. Yep. Yeah. So we roll. And so again, it's years of development. And, uh, you know, I had a, a 
broken ankle, basically a torn ligament. So I had to get surgery that sets me back. So it's always these, look, I'm 50 years old. I'm not, I have no illusions about my martial arts world, but I like to go, (laughs) you know, when I'm healthy, I go roll with the kids and they they, (laughs) they toss me around. So, so no, you speaking of, you know, the kids, the childhood, let's just finish up with the yours. You left home at what age? It was young, wasn't it? Yes, about 17, my parents disbanded. So when I left, I had left home. I really just never came home. Mm. I, had a, I had a home, but it was just so tumultuous. I just stayed out all the time, slept on friends' couches and stuff. And then around, like I said, 17 or so, my parents disbanded. Mm-hmm. They got divorced finally. My brother, who was 10, moved with my father, who was immediately remarried and moved to South Carolina. My sister moved, who was, uh, she was 18, uh, moved with my aunt and uncle, uh, she was deaf. So I, I called myself the big brother because I was her big little brother because yeah. she was deaf and much smaller. And I was always the big little brother. Yeah. And then my uh, mom, she moved in with this bodybuilder named Jimmy and I never saw her or her for a couple of years. Mm. But um, right before they did that, I got them to sign early enlistment papers for the United States Marine Corps, which was my dream. I, the only class I went to was ROTC and drumline for two years in high school. And so I just knew I had to just couch surf for about a year until I can go to Paris Island. But, um, you know, I had to drop out of school, get a job, got my GED. And then when I went to show up for the bus, the GED said I couldn't go. Uncle Sam said I needed 15 college credits with the GED, which uh, <laughs> was, was not happening That's in 1989. Amazing. I was not going to college in 1989. I was homeless, literally had no, no home. So I just had to start going back and knocking on doors and sleeping on couches again for a few months until I could afford to you know, save some money and just kind of get a little apartment uh, next to this. My friend had a garage like uh, with a little room on the side of the garage. I ended up running that after a few months. So now something had to have shifted, whether it was your, your perspective on the world or whether you had some mentor come in, like what changed for you? Because you're not that person anymore right i mean you are underneath but it, it's part of who you are as far as it, it it has built you you've learned the lessons from it but what changed for you it all goes back to words um mm-hmm. i was 21 years old i met the a girl who would end up becoming uh, my kid's mom which you know life is um full of destiny and, and serendipity. And I met her about a year after I was supposed to be in the Marine Corps, I would not have met her. She ended up being becoming my wife, having the, my kids with her. But um, her father, uh, our stepdad worked for the cable company as a contractor and said, Hey, why don't you come work for me? And, you know, I'll give you 600 a week. Well, I was making 300 a week. So I said, heck yeah. Didn't even know what I was going to do. End up, I was a ditch digger, <laughs> digging ditches for the cable company to put the lines in underground. But I liked it. You know, I was making really good money. And um, one day uh, I had to go to my sister's wedding in Delaware. And my, you know, the whole family was there and we went there. It was great. We all came back. My dad came with his, you know, the step monster. And uh, my mother came out of hiding and she came off the wedding. You know, it was one of those great weekends. Mm -hmm. I came home and uh, got a phone call from my grandmother who had a drinking problem. Go, go figure. Right. Mm -hmm. That's where my parents got it from. Right. My mom's mom. And she said something, seven words that changed my life immediately. Wow. She said, you know, Joanne was uh, so mad at Joanne. That's my dad's step monster. Uh, my, my, my step monster, my dad's wife. She's just going around saying, and these seven words changed my life. 
well, she said, I don't even know why we're here because Ronnie, uh, here they are. Paulette and Jeremy aren't even Ronnie's kids. Paulette and Jeremy aren't even Ronnie's kids. So my sister and I, my, my stepmother was telling everyone around, I don't know why we had to drive here because Paulette and Jeremy aren't even Ronnie's kids. I didn't know my dad oh. wasn't my dad. Oh my gosh. So that threw me back uh, for a loop, but it made me happy. I was very relieved because I'm not now tethered to that DNA. Yeah. Okay. There's a chance. There's a, right now, I knew I had nothing, but now I've got the unknown, and the unknown was better than the known. Ah. So I took two years, and again, this is seven more words. So three times in my life, seven words. Um, the next time, two years to find my biological father, and it was a long story short. I called the, uh, the high school to look for a yearbook just to find his picture from 1970, like, you know, mm -hmm. and the principal actually went to school that, that graduated that year. And I was like, well, I'm looking for a guy named Hal. That's all I knew was his first name, Hal. And he goes, oh, you know, Hal, you know, I won't say his last name, but yeah. here's, his for, here's his work number. And the secretary answered and said, law offices of, you know, Dewey, Scroom and Hal. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> so those seven words changed my life again, because now I wasn't dumb. Uh -huh. I was smart. I had lawyer DNA. Uh -huh. That's all I needed to know. Yeah. And from that day on, I had confidence. I had um, just, I, I started reading. I was really dyslexic, but I said, I'm going to learn and I'm going to start, I'm going to start reading. And I just opened my mind up. And from then on, I was working with a purpose. I was uh, responsible for myself. I um, was still digging ditches, but I was doing it with a smile. And I just got promoted. There wasn't eight months that everyone went by my whole life since then at 21 years old to now that I wasn't either promoted or given substantial responsibility in the role that I was in. Mm. So that was 30, incredible. 40 years ago, almost. Ah, just the difference that the same situation, like nothing really changed. It was right. your mindset on it that. Uh, just exploded your confidence, which just leads me to think anyone out there who's listening, who is currently in this state of fear or desperation or angst or whatever it might be, literally a, in a moment that can change, your perspective on the situation can change with some new information, right? The, the you can information. That's what you got. You got the gift of thinking there is a possibility here. Yep. Right? And then you could do with it what you want. Now, what happened after that? You, you did now, I feel like there's probably a lot of stuff that happened in the, in, in between. And then you started your business. So what, what oh, God. yeah, there's like how, like, <laughs> well, that was uh, the start of my 30 year telecommunications construction okay. uh, career. Uh -huh. So I was, uh, you know, 20 years old, starting digging ditches at 21. I had the mindset shift at, you know, 22, 23, 24, I kept getting promoted through the through the, uh, through the contracting firm. So I went from doing ditches to installs, to service, to learning how to splice fiber and, uh, got asked to join the main cable company Comcast, mm -hmm. uh, as a kind of a specialized hybrid team to do splicing and, and activation that Again, eight months into that job, I got promoted to supervisor. Eight months after that, manager. 
And I worked there for a total of eight years, but I kept get kept expanding my area. So I was, I didn't get promoted after the manager after about my third year, but I spent the next five years rebuilding the entire network. So I, I went from Broward County, like Pompano to Broward County to Dade County to Monroe County. And so I ended up rebuilding almost the whole South Florida area for Comcast as the manager of construction at 30 years old, really super young, $50 million projects, you know, 20 employees, 45 contractors under me. And uh, had that's my first mentor, Nestor Martin. He was my boss. And, you know, we used to race each other basically in the morning to see who could get there first. And I always won. <laughs> I used to take his parking spot and make him mad, you know? Um, and so it just... Uh, just work, work, work. So I wasn't the smartest. I didn't graduate high school. I wasn't the most talented. I always had to, to you know, do things 10 times to learn it. I wasn't the most uh, friendly because I was kind of a, such an aggressive, assertive person. I never really came off really friendly, but nobody outworked me. I was there first. I was there last. I opened it up. I locked up. And that was my mentality. If I could just work harder than everyone, it, that's what always gave me the wins. So I just, did it. Now, um, what I did from there, the, the upgrade was over. I had a choice to go to training, which I would have hated doing the same thing every day, teaching the ABCs of CATV, what I call it, cable TV. And I said, no, I uh, left and became a contractor again. I got a big raise because contracting pays a lot more. And I turned that company around from a $2 million company to 10 million right, in the second year. Uh, left them and under thinking I know everything to start my own cable company, you know, contracting business and cable that, that went great for two years. And in 2009, the housing bubble burst and I lost everything. Oh. When I say everything, I, I was homeless again, basically, but now I had two sons mm. and child support and, you know, I was already divorced, but I had to uh, take a job at a call center for 45,000 a year. I was making about 300,000. I took a job for 45. I never worked for 45 since I was 20 years old. <laughs> uh, so, but I did it because I had to, and I did it with a smile. And guess what? My first day on the job promoted to supervisor. My second month on the job promoted to manager. My third, you know, eight month on the job promoted to director. I was running th these two different departments. When I met uh, a young lady who used to bring in to cut the executive's hair and, uh, she cut my hair and I, that's, I fell in love with her. She's my wife. And this is my, uh, she, she ended up stopped cutting hair and she's a realtor. And then now she's a broker. So we have, we're like this power couple, you know, we always uh, talk about our work ethic is just, we're more of a partnership than husband and wife because we're a wrecking, wrecking machine when it comes to business and our mentalities of, of um, this branding and working and connecting. It, it really works for us. Yeah. But um when it got really good and uh, about three years went by after that, uh, cable kind of started coming back after the downturn. And I went back into the cable television world again. That was my world. I had tacit knowledge of everything cable. And that's when fiber optics was blowing up all over the country. So I started running a company, national company. I took them from $2 million a year to $25 million by working for AT&T in Texas and doing all the stuff in Oklahoma for them. Then I left them because they uh, had a disagreement with one of my bosses and that guy went and started another company. So I went with him kind of, mm -hmm. we took that from zero to $60 million a year in two years. And uh, just last year we ended up, they made me a 
10% equity owner because of my work ethic and my sweat equity, mm-hmm. so to speak. And uh, we were just bought out just a couple months ago for a, a very, very big number. And I, I got 10% of that. So now, so now you have this freedom to choose. Freedom is right. Freedom. <laughs> I live to a get to life. Yeah. And yep. you started your business. And I started helping people. I'm done with cable. I'm done with all that. Mm-hmm. I figured I know business. I know how to build businesses. I started proof of concept with my own son. He uh, graduated high school two and a half years ago, sold his car the next day after graduating, gave me $10,000, said, dad, I want to start a business. He started a landscaping business. I mentored him two and a half years later. He's got five employees. He's going to do about 350,000 this year in revenue. Um, So I have another person in uh, Delaware who uh, kind of a friend of a family and uh, got him a contract, worked with him on how, how that works on flooring and it's construction. And uh, he got a $600,000 contract first right out of the chute. In fact, he just got his first check for the job, $172,000 deposit. He has to use to buy material and stuff. But uh, so I'm mentoring him on an ongoing basis. And I said, let me take my kind of my superpower, which is business mm-hmm. and real estate, which is my wife's business. So I can now work with her because I traveled 45 weeks a year for the last 10 years. I haven't been home a lot. We were in the honeymoon phase for 10 years because I was only <laughs> on the weekend. So now, uh, yeah, I created this real estate, you know, it's the, the real estate, uh, but it's not really real estate based. It's based first with mindset. Yep. That's the first module. Then it's business elements. How does business work? All the different parts of it, marketing and HR, recruiting and mm-hmm. sales and, you know, all these different elements that you need to understand. How does uh, how does finance work, which leads us to the third module, f- finance EQ, which mm-hmm. how does money work? Mm-hmm. A lot of people don't even know how to write checks these days. So how are you going to run a business if you've got n- no positive daily habits, which is mindset? You've got no idea how business really works together, and you don't understand how money works. Once I go through that, then I get into your specialty, which is your business practice. Mm-hmm. Right now, I'm working with a lot of realtors, but I still got Garrett for the landscaper. I still got... Uh, um, Oh, what's his name? Hoop and Gardner. I don't even know, remember his first name. Hoop, Hoop is what we call him. He's in Delaware with the uh, contracting for doing flooring. So it doesn't matter what business you're in. I can help you build your business by built by building all these other acumens first, and then helping you, you know, sell a house. How do you sell a house? How do you write a contract? How do you negotiate? How do you get leads? That's all. You know, everyone can teach you that. And that and no that one teaches is- the business part. The business part, I think, is so key because entrepreneurs usually go into business because they have a, a passion for something. They have an expertise in a particular area, not because they're business mavens. <laughs> that's yeah, not I, usually why a business is started, but that's how businesses continue. That's how business. And that's how they grow. fail. Uh, well, if they don't learn it, sure. That yeah. Is, well, that's that why I have a chapter it. in my book called uh, Wasted Away Again in Operatorsville. all right jimmy buffett fan yeah oh my god (laughs) thanks for making me not sing it (laughs) i got i got i'm not asking you to sing because if you asked me to do that i would kick you um but but i do want to find this is like total off the cuff question here but since you mentioned about um you know, you, you and your relationship with your wife and how you had that honeymoon phase because you weren't around each other now that you're working together 
how is it? Cause you still sound like you like each other. So that's cool. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, we don't, we don't really work together in that sense. Yeah. I, I have a, yeah, my son had landscaping. So we found him a really nice warehouse where the trucks, two trucks, you know, can pull in the front and out the back. So it's really long and it's kind of big out there. And he's got this office that he doesn't use. So I made it the get to studio. I, I created this video studio mm-hmm. where I do all my recordings and stuff. And it's my sanctuary. So I come here and work every single day building stuff. How I work with my wife is uh, you know, if I have a realtor and I have a few of them that I'm helping on a, on a beta session. So friends of mine, um, Mm-hmm. I, it's called the, um, the just in time training modules. So, uh, I do, I give them an assessment, figure out where they are in their life and their business and their learning styles. And then I go, okay, what do you need to know? And I'll teach them, you know, mindset and a real estate cause they need to make money. So on the mindset and the financial and the business, I got all that on the finance, on the real estate side how I work with my wife is I'm like, okay, Vesta, she needs to, uh, she asked if I could help her, uh, figure out how to farm. So then Christy and I will come up with a way and a program for Vesta, one of the students to farm uh, based on where she lives, because that's Christy's specialty. Do I know how to farm? Yeah, I know how to farm, but not as well as she does. Mm-hmm. So that's how I work with Christy is uh, it's kind of a back office. She helps me create the, the plans. She's going to do some videos with me and stuff because she's uh, really good at that stuff. But awesome. it's more about just consultive. I, I get yeah. to ask her opinions and you know, kind of get mix it up with her that way. That's good. So you, that that's that's that that sounds like the perfect mix there. Now, I, I, you know, this is what happens when you have an interesting story. The thirty minutes flies by, but I am certain yes. there are people who are listening right now who really want to find out how they can get more information from you. Where can they find you? Where can they learn about your book or your podcast or anything? Can you share a little bit of that? Sure. I mean, uh, the website is Jeremy Torisk, and that's it's my last name is To Risk. And my blood type is B positive. So how could I go wrong? Right. <laughs> so <laughs> it's Jeremy Torisk at, you know, jeremytorisk.com or go to uh, LinkedIn is where I live. That's my, my safe spot. Right. So it's just LinkedIn slash J E R E M Y T O R I S K. And uh, if you hook up with me on LinkedIn and DM me that you heard, you know, heard this interview, I'll send you a, either a PDF version of my book, labored leadership, or I send you a gift certificate, or I'll even sign one for you and mail it to you. Mm-hmm. So uh, however you want it, just um, hit me up on LinkedIn and I'll get you a copy of the book. Awesome. And we'll make sure to put all of those links and things into the show notes for those of you who are listening and really want to get a hold of Jeremy or, or learn more about him or capitalize on that offer that he just made you. You'll be able to just click on it and go straight there. Um, Jeremy, you've been amazing. I, I'm asking for one more thing. Okay. So sure. if you had one piece of advice, one action that you recommend, or one strategy that you could share with our listeners that you think could really make a difference for them, what would it be? Sure. I call it the uh, act at the speed of instruction. Hmm. And that's just, again, it goes back to mindset. Whether somebody, if you're working for somebody and they're directing you to do something, or you're working for yourself and you know that something has to be done, or you just say, Hey, I want to get in shape. All right. Everyone has that thought. I I should start eating better. Well, that's an instruction. Act. Mm -hmm. Do it. Don't don't just think of it because that's just a dream. And and you know, speaking it, it it gives it kind of reality. Put it on your calendar, make it real, follow it and do it. Like eat the frog, right? Brian Tracy, do the hard stuff. You know, don't be afraid of that things because that you're always going to feel better after doing the hard things in life. 
Act at the point of instruction. Act at the speed of instruction. Speed of instruction. That is fantastic. I love that. That's going on your graphic. <laughs> I always take a I always take a quote from from my guests. Uh, that one that one's going on yours for sure. So Jeremy, you have been amazing, and I literally could spend like another hour talking to you and diving deeper into the lessons that you've learned in your lifetime and what you're sharing with other people. But I I do. Well, maybe we'll have to do another show. So we'll have a part two, part two, part two. And part I do. Love- <laughs> that's my French. That's the extent of my French. <laughs> yeah, I love it. And that's only well, because uh, what's his name did a movie about it, right? <laughs> Charlie. <laughs> well, I'm a French fan. I love it. I, and I've got like six words and I can't repeat half of them. So <laughs> we'll stick with that one for now. Jeremy, you've been amazing. Thank you so much. Friends out there who are listening, if you love the show, share it, leave us a great review we totally appreciate you and we will see you again next week thanks everyone